WRKS Pickens Jackson. It's all coming back from the Whiskey 61 Lounge inside the Bank Plus Studio. And there it comes again. Mississippi's number one sports talk show, The Out of Bounds Show with Bo Bounds. Streaming worldwide live on the Out of Bounds Radio app and on your radio at ESPN 105.9. What is that? What is that? The Zone. Ah, good morning. Welcome in. The Out of Bounds Show is brought to you by Kessler Prime and the Renaissance. Visit KesslerPrime.com to make a reservation. It is a beautiful day. Good day to get outside and uh, enjoy yourself. Yeah. I mean, this weather is amazing for this time of year. I will take it. Yesterday was great at Duty Noble Field. The baseball may not have been. I had a good day. I went to the baseball game for a few innings. I didn't even know I was going to go to dinner. Ended up at Commodore Bob's and then back in um, Humphrey Coliseum for a pretty wild game of basketball. Mississippi State took the game two of the uh, Mississippi State Ole Miss series, and they won by double digits. And it feels good for Mississippi State fans today, as it should. We talk about it all the time. Winning is the elixir. And uh, it feels better. Sunshine, uh, you won a game. Your NCAA net rankings are good. Um, You're still going to have to steal a a road game. LSU just beat Kentucky 75-74. And you go to uh, Baton Rouge this weekend. You play eh, a little bit later in the evening, 7.30 on um, Saturday night against the LSU Tigers. And then you come back um, on Tuesday and you play Kentucky at uh, 6 o'clock at Humphrey Coliseum. I like that 6 o'clock tip for sure. Ole Miss will host the South Carolina Gamecocks this weekend along with Ole Miss baseball. So it will be a big weekend in Oxford, Ole Miss's first weekend series after playing in Honolulu, Hawaii. Um, our show is brought to you by Patron Extra Añejo and a bone-in ribeye Kessler Prime and the Renaissance. I this is a meltdown on our on our text line. Uh, people are done. <laughs> They've, you know, they year one coming out of the national championship. People were okay last year. I think it really turned, and then you're only five games in, and you're two and three. But um, you lost to Austin P. So I was walking up uh, between Duty Noble and the Hump last night, and Austin P.'s bus was, well, basically up on the sidewalk. Um, and all their players were sitting out on the concrete eating their, you know, box of food. Um, I, you know, I can't imagine what Austin P.'s, uh, you know, baseball budget is not jimmy, much jimmy john's <laughs> okay subway and, yeah and so i just stopped for a second and watched them and kudos to those young men kids coming in tough environment didn't flinch and um you know took two and especially the the second one where you know mississippi state's got a fairly comfortable lead and Austin P can't those strikes but you probably don't take as um you don't take advantage of it like you could have like really could have blown it open and you didn't 
So you allowed them to stay within striking distance, and then you know the last part of the game uh, was an absolute disaster for you. Now most of you have Chris Lamonis on DEFCON one, um, and it's weird we haven't had. I mean we we haven't had any national championships in the big three sports in the state, right? Until Chris Lamonis right. won, and then the next year might be it. So so we've got this is this is why I think it's a little weird for some people. The vocal minority always wants to fire somebody. I've lived this for 20 years. I mean, you know, that's it, it's always something. Um, fire this, fire that, fire, you know. Uh, but this one is a little unique because Lamonis did win a national championship. And Bianco's a little bit different because he's been there for so long and he won a national championship. What Bianco's is even crazier because he was all but fired on, on April 5th. And and then a couple months later, Ole Miss wins the national title. And now, you know, Bianco has another bad season, and now you're you're two and three. But I want to go back to Mississippi State because Lamonis has got one bad year on uh, Bianco kind of since the national championship. It's odd because they're national championship coaches. But here's the deal. It, it doesn't look favorable for either one. And this has become so big. It's always been big in Starville. I mean, they've been drawing crowds since 1981, right? They were packing in 85. They rolled out the new stadium in 87, right? Ron Polk came off the uh, airplane in the 85 College World Series, and, and he told I mean, he told the administration and the alums, you know, you can either build me your stadium or I'll, I'll go do something else. And they built, at that time, what was the nicest stadium in the country. And then they did another hodgepodge add-on by – Larry Templeton in the 90s. And then, of course, they tore the whole thing down and built by far and away the nicest college baseball stadium in the country. And they cashed in on it with what Cohen had done with Adam Frazier and Hunter Renfro and that whole group. And then we've talked about, you know, Jake Mangum. He doesn't have a national championship, but he will always be, you know, he'll be in that group. And then, of course, Tanner Allen and Rowdy bring it home. Lamonis was part of that. So, but this is so big. It's so it's it's so much money. It's thirty. What is it? Thirty three, thirty five home games a year. It even this weekend, this place will be nuts. And restaurants and bars, hotels. Just like in Oxford, they depend on how your team is is doing. So uh, it is DEFCON 1. He does have to get it right. It could get out from under him. And if he doesn't get it going, I I don't know. People are asking left and right on the text line, you know, would they let Lamonis go and bump up Gotro for the rest of the year? What does that do? I guess that just makes you feel better. Um, In the grand scheme of things, you would be getting a coach either way, whether – he would be let go. Uh, I think he played Missouri the last series of the year, whether it be the third game of that series or, I don't know, four weeks from now. But um, we'll see what happens this weekend. And and it's also going to what, – what will the players decide? You know, you want to just ride this thing out? Or does somebody, one or two in the, in the locker room, want to say, you know, this is embarrassing. It's on us, too. And I do know who Tanner Allen is. 
and Jake Mangum and Hunter Renfro and Adam Frazier. And, you know, maybe we need to get our head out of our blank and and start playing better, showing the toughness and grit that it takes. Man, that Austin P team, I mean, and look, I walked by. I didn't know the two guys, and I was like, congratulations. And, I mean, the one that looked up at me, he was sitting on the sidewalk outside of a bus eating I don't know what the hell it was, but <laughs> a box supper before they drive back to rural Tennessee. Um, you know, he was grinning ear to ear, but they came in. They had the toughness factor, the t- the grit and all. And, and I know it sounds corny and we roll our eyes on it, but there is something to that, um, to win in anything in life. Um, but there's a softness or there's a sh- – I don't I don't know what's going on. I don't know if you can it is early in the year. You know, maybe you can turn it. I don't have any answers though. People were asking me last night. I definitely don't have any answers. Um I do think that there is a piece of this in the locker room. I mean, do you have any dudes? You know, alpha dudes, toughness, grit, or is it just a bunch of kind of individuals that played a bunch of travel ball? I don't know. The Ag Up Equipment Text Line, 601-885-3776. Um, Twitter X at Bo Bounds. And the Patron Tequila Caller Line is 601-995-1059. Steve Palazzolo, NFL Insider, Pro Football Focus. Coming up at uh, 8.30 on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. to tell you about this game-changing product I use before a night out with drinks. It's called Z-Biotics. Let's face it, after a night out with drinks, I don't bounce back the next day like I used to, and I have to make a choice. I can either have a great night or a great next day, and that is until I found Z-Biotics. Every time I have a Z-Biotics before drinks, I notice a difference the next day. Even after a night out, I can confidently plan on hosting this show and being awesome without worry. Look, I won't lie. I was a bit on the fence about Z-Biotics initially, but then while hanging out with friends over cocktails, I gave it a shot. And believe me, it is the real deal. Go to zbiotics.com slash OOB to get 15% off your first order when you use OOB at checkout. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash OOB and use the code OOB at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and our good times. Oh, man. Good morning. Welcome in. The Out of Bounds Show is brought to you by the number one commercial industrial roofing company in Mississippi, Independent Roofing Systems, roofing.ms. For over 40 years in the state of Mississippi, look at the projects they've completed, Independent Roofing Systems. Steve Palazzolo coming up at 8.30. NFL Insider, Pro Football Focus. 
PFF.com. This may be news to some of y'all, but there is there are some things come, going on uh, outside of uh, Hale State and Ole Miss hoops and baseball. I guess we'll be getting into football again here before we know it. We did some SEC coaches power rankings. We'll have to do some QB rankings and some other things um, as everything unfolds. Uh, the debate on whether Lane Kiffin and Hugh Freeze were in Tier 2 was fun with the SEC coaches' power rankings. You know, you got you got Kirby Smart in Tier 1. Is there anything we can agree on? Like, Patrick Mahomes is the best NFL quarterback right now. I think that's like 100%, 99.9, which is unbelievable, especially with guys. Women have so much such better perspective on sports. <laughs> um, guys dumb down in like .03 seconds when it comes to sports. We're good at that. And um, – you know, so Mahomes, right? Best quarterback on the planet. And then when you're doing SEC coaches' power rankings, you Kirby Smart's number one. Now, the tier two, that's when it gets – you can debate. It's where it gets fun. And, um, you know, Kalen DeBoer, Brian Kelly. Um, and some of you would argue that, and that's fine. I love it. Or debate it. Uh, uh, Kalen DeBoer, for our listeners, he's the new coach at Alabama. I mean, I'm thinking everybody knows that, but maybe I need to um, say that every now and then. Uh, Kalen DeBoer, he's put together a really good staff, uh, which is not awesome for the rest of us in the SEC. Uh, Brian Kelly, one, he's won everywhere. And I mentioned, you know, Shrimp, po- Shrimp Po'Boy Tech all the way up to Notre Dame. One at Notre Dame, which is not an easy place to, you know, 60 and over still buys the allure and all that. That, that stuff's long gone. Um, and so, I, you know, it's cold, not not enough beautiful women, uh, you know, academics, it, it, just go on and on. Um, so he won there. He'll win at LSU. They're going to be better this year, um, even losing Jaden Daniels, uh, because they're going to be 10 times better on, on defense. Um which is, again, not good for, for some of the other teams. I mean, in fact, they may – yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they finish second. Um, but then Sarkeesian is a guy that I – like, I tr- – that's not a good word to use. I I look at what Freeze and Kiffin have done, and I feel like they're better than Sark – as a head coach, but Sark's at Texas. He's got a head start, not not a head start on Kiffin, but but a head start on Freeze at Auburn, and they're at Texas, and they get who they want. It just is what it is. Now, have they proven they can come in a league like ours with the physicality and win? Absolutely not. Just because he went to the college football playoff out of the Big 12 this past year, does that mean he's like there's no debate no debate and he deserves to be in tier two? No. No. But uh I could put him in tier two and I can put him in tier three and I can make a strong argument for Freeze and Kiffin in tier two. I can also make a stronger argument for them in tier three. And then we had, I guess, Drinkwitz. The Mark Stoops thing drives me crazy. You can put him in Tier 3 right now with Kiffin and Freeze and Drinkwitz 
he's about to fall to tier four in like five seconds. Because now that we don't have the SEC East and West divisions, as y'all know, um, one of the guys, if not, he may be number one. Well, that in South Carolina. Because Beamer's on, that's not going to work. Um, but as you look at, those are two programs that are really going to struggle with the uh, merger of of doing away with the East and the West. Because the gap was so significant. The West was so much better than the East. and But I also give Stoops credit for taking advantage of it at a school that's not a football program. But don't get me wrong. They got a lot of money. Stoops knows how to aggressively recruit. And, you know, they did some good things. Um, were they ever really good? No. They just had nice teams who played in the East. Um, and one thing Stoops took advantage of the last, uh, how long has that been? Seven years since Mullen left? Is that Mullen owned Kentucky, and then when State went through Moorhead, Leach, and Arnett, Stoops took advantage of his uh, cross-division game that they would never win. Um, and they started winning that game. So uh, credit to him. But he'll stumble out of Tier 3 even if you want to put him in there. They're terrible on offense. Um, and then you got to think about some of the guys that may could go up or down. Like Sark. If you have Sark in Tier 2 right now, but Texas gets hit in the mouth and can't handle the physicality of the league, then he'll be bumped. Um, could Kiffin or Freeze work their way up into Tier 2 if you don't already have them in there? Yes. Could Drinkwitz? Uh, we'll see. I need to see more there. And they were in the East, too. So I have to take that into consideration when you win. It's just like Heupel. I mean, Heupel had that really good year two years ago. And, hey, more power to him. Hendon Hooker, Hooker Mania took over Knoxville. And and they were good, and they beat Alabama, and they took the goalpost out of the stadium and all that. I got to get that guy on from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, that was one of the guys that was holding the, the goalpost. He tells the funniest damn story I have ever heard on taking a piece of the goalpost out of Needland Stadium when um, – Tennessee beat Bama two years ago. So there's all kinds of things going on. Um, some people have asked about Jeff Levy. I really like what Levy's doing. I really do. I like his mojo and all that. Uh, again, doing things that I didn't think he would do. He's still got to win. But, um, and he's got, he's got, even though they pull a pretty tough schedule, he's got some several winnable games. You, you know where you're going to have to make hay when you're Mississippi State. We've talked about Ole Miss's schedule a little bit more. But um, where you have to make hay for Levy in year one is you pull Florida, Arkansas, and Missouri at home. So what, what can you do with that? You know, that, that's, that's what I'm interested in. And I, look, you, you can't drop that at Arizona State game. But the three at home – those are the ones that I'm looking at. Because you're not, you know, you got to go to Texas. You got to go to Georgia. Whatever. I mean, it's, it's terrible. So you got to go to Ole Miss. Um, got A&M it, at home. Oh, I expect that. A&M is one of my teams that I mentioned to Tom Luganville. As I, I think A&M could be better than, I mean, they could be right behind 
Georgia this Ooh. year. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Uh, ahead of LSU and ahead of Texas, you could see them being number two. And well, Bama. I mean, a lot has to happen, but they have it. Dude, they have an insane amount of talent out there. Oh, yeah. Um, they have been totally, I mean, they've had a child as a head coach. Um, they now have a grown-up. Uh, Mike Elko uh, may look like he, he owns a construction company in Enterprise, Alabama, but that guy can coach. <laughs> he can coach. And so we are the Out of Bounds Show. We're brought to you by RPT and Rick's Pro Truck. Speaking of Notre Dame, Casey runs RPT and Glugstat. Tell him hello and that they need to join a conference. Rick's Pro Truck. Well, you know the drill. Tires and wheels, lift kits, spraying bed liners. I mean, you name it, they've got it. Accessorizing your drug, truck, Jeep, or SUV. And don't forget about RPT Commercial in Pearl. RPT Commercial in Pearl. Hey, we've got Steve Palazzolo coming up next. NFL Insider. NFL news left and right in the offseason here. Pro Football Focus. He'll join us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Good morning. Welcome in. All right, our NFL coverage today brought to you by Ice Cold Bud Light and some wings. Smash some wings this afternoon. Beautiful day. And uh, Ice Cold Bud Light. The weather is fantastic. Also, Bet 50 Play 30, Pearl River Resort, Golden Moon Casino, Sportsbook and Lounge. Bet $50, play award-winning Dancing Rabbit Golf Club for $30. Bet 50, play 30. Good morning. Welcome in. I'm your host, Bo Bounds. We are the Out of Bounds Show, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. Go ahead and get your living room, man room ready for March Madness College Baseball, Augusta National and the Masters in the NFL Draft. With who? MS Smart Homes. Right, they'll come in, they'll do the Sonos system, the sound bars. I have it in our, I don't know, living area and my man room at the house. Surround sound is great for the games, it's great for movies, and it's great for music. MSSmarthomes.com. Call Jake Manning today. MSSmarthomes.com. The Sonos system is fantastic, and you control it all. From your phone. We welcome in Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus, PFF.com, NFL Insider. His podcast is on fire. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. All right, Steve Palazzolo, in your opinion, what is the biggest story? And this is saying something considering this monster that you cover. What is the biggest story of the offseason in the NFL for you? That's all everybody cares about. Um, I think always the the quarterback movement in carousel. You've got um, the draft. You know how many of those quarterbacks end up going at the top of the draft. I think the Bears end up being one of the biggest stories in the NFL. Um, and then it's just you know kind of like all the AFC teams trying to chase the Chiefs again. What are the AFC teams going to do? I think we saw that a couple years ago with the Deshaun Watson trade and Tyree Gill trade. 
teams are, are chasing the champs and how are they going to do it and make, you know, are there, what other aggressive moves might there be to try to try to bridge the gap on the Chiefs? Okay. Now, you Jason didn't have you up or something. What what was the first thing you said when I asked you about biggest NFL story? Oh, the, the Cowboys. Always. It's always the Cowboys, right? All right, what do you think about the whole you, – you get to look at it like I'm biased because I'm not a Cowboys fan. I mean, I wasn't a Cowboys fan, but I'm biased because of Dak Prescott. You're not. So right. you just look at it in, in a subjective way or as much as you can possible, any of us as humans. So what when, when you hear now it has shifted the last, I guess, two weeks, maybe three, that there's a culture problem, <laughs> what, what is your takeaway on that in Dallas? I think sports are weird when it comes to that type of thing, right? So not to compare the Cowboys to my um, minor league championships, but I got two rings. I got two minor league rings. And on both of those teams that we, that we, where we won our league championship, we had you know, a little turmoil along the way and what have you. But when you win, at the end, it was like, oh, man, that was like the best team I was ever on. The, the chemistry was great, and everybody loved each other. And I, so I guess my point is I think, I think a lot of that is just revisionist history, that there are – or it's just it's trying to find an explanation when literally 31 teams are going to fail every single year and one team is going to win. You know, if the Cowboys had lost in the Super Bowl, is it the same thing? Ah, oh, it's a culture problem. They just, you know, can't win the big game still in the Super Bowl. It's like, well, everybody's going to lose except one team. And, you know, and that team happens to have the best quarterback in the NFL. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's, I think what happens is you, you, you win all these games, you lose in the playoffs, you're looking for explanations. And oftentimes those end up becoming the easiest explanations for uh, February fodder during the offseason. No, I agree there. Okay. Um, we always talk about all these things that could happen in the NFL draft, especially with the first couple of picks. And sometimes it does, and a lot of times it doesn't. It's early, but do you think you could, we could see a lot of movement up at the top? Or are you like, Bo, you know, at the end of the day, I expect the overwhelming majority of the teams to stand pat and stay where they are? Yeah, so – I think, obviously, it all, again, it always comes down to the quarterbacks. I think what you would most likely see is Bears and Commanders, I think, are picking QBs. I think where you could have some movement is in New England. If, if Obviously, they need a QB, too, at three. But with a whole new regime there, with, with Gerard Mayo coming in and just a whole new front office and everything that they're doing, I, I wonder if the Patriots might say, okay, we don't have to take a quarterback this year. Let's see if we can get a haul from one of these other teams because the, the other teams that need to make a play uh, might be really desperate, right? We've got the Atlanta Falcons at 8, you have the Vikings at 11, and then you have the Broncos and Raiders at 12 and 13. Those are all the teams that are kind of in no man's land. You know, I, I, the, the QB4 debate is still wide open if it's uh, Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix. I don't think anybody is loving any of those QBs from – you know, as far as like this dude is definitely locked into the top half of the first round, I, I think I think there's a much bigger consensus on the top three being Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels. So I wonder if New England says, okay, we could be patient at quarterback, whole new regime, 
we'll take the massive haul to trade down. And it seemed like the Falcons and the Vikings, Raiders, Broncos, they're moving up to go get a QB. I think that's where you might see something from a QB standpoint. Okay. Steve Palazzolo, NFL insider, pro football focus. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. So you mentioned the Patriots. Let's let's go through. Where are you on Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Let's just start there. Where are you? It sounds like you're like, okay, that deal's over with Mac Jones. Where are you with Justin Fields in the Bears? Well, man, the Justin Fields, I mean, it's just the nature of the NFL, right? Like The Bears are almost certainly going to move on from Justin Fields because they have an opportunity to find something better, the mystery box, so to speak, of Caleb Williams. And then other teams around the NFL might really want Justin Fields, right? The, the Steelers might really want Justin Fields. The Falcons are rumored to be in on Justin Fields because they're desperate. They don't have a locked-in quarterback situation. I think Fields is, after three years of playing, I think in, still intriguing, um, but still still a ways to go to, to to get to his potential. You know, the the running ability that Fields has is absolutely dynamic, better than I even anticipated coming out of Ohio State. You know, we saw that more in 2022 than 23, but you can you can create offense around his legs. And then when you do that, it opens up throws. I've said, you know, I said this about Lamar Jackson, said this about Anthony Richardson. It opens up more open throws. It opens up the field. And it, and it mitigates some of the issues that, you know, a guy, guys have had. So I think field still has this high-end potential, but he's got to clean things up as a passer. He's got to see the field better. And he has to take fewer sacks, fewer negative plays. So there's, there's a lot of room to improve for Fields, but he's shown this dynamic ability that, that could still be there, right? That could still, you know, lead to one of those high-end seasons. I think that's what makes him intriguing, but it's also to the point where, you know, Chicago doesn't want to sit and wait for that. They have to go make a move. So that's, that puts you right in that, like, middle class of quarterbacks, right? Half the teams might want you. Half the teams don't need you. Okay, let me – We'll we'll see if this holds our listeners. Let's talk a little Chicago beer, Bears here for a second. Because Walter Payton played there forever. Huge Mississippi tie. And then Favre going up to Green Bay, same division. You know, there there's some stuff there. For the overwhelming – I mean, I went to that Super Bowl in New Orleans when Ditka won. And, and what a beatdown. Yes, on the Patriots and didn't allow Walter Payton to score but let Refrigerator Perry score. But that's a whole nother right. – you know that would be an hour for you and I off the air on on a podcast. What the Bears have, for the most part, the last forty years, maybe longer, really have not been good on offense. I mean, what is their pro- to be a major market team and one of the blue bloods with the Hallis family going back to along with the Roonies and so on in the twenties and thirties. How in the world can they not get it right at all on the offensive side of the football with the way the game is played today and all the dual threat talent that's coming out of college football, Steve? Man, I, it's interesting, right? Because then you have the Packers in the same division who just you know stumble into a great quarterback every 15 years, <laughs> from right from Favre to Rodgers and maybe to Jordan Love, right? So it is, it is quite the difference. I do wonder if, if teams – Sometimes, you know, particularly the Bears. I think what happens sometimes is leadership looks at the, the times when they, when a team was successful and they try to replicate those years, right? So, of course, with the Bears, you mentioned 85. They're the pinnacle of defensive football. And I think when people think of the Bears, 
as a franchise, 100-plus-year franchise, they're like, oh, yeah, hard-nosed defense, right? And I wonder how much that, not that they haven't been looking for a quarterback or anything like that, but even just going with the defensive coaches through the years, um, not exclusively, but, you know, often they'll go with the defensive-minded coaches. I just wonder how much that plays in, and it's almost ingrained from a organizational standpoint that, hey, we got to build on the defensive side of the ball first, you know, while we're trying to find our quarterback. We won a Super Bowl with Jim McMahon, right? We didn't need a great quarterback. I just wonder how much of that is ingrained even years later. Um, again, not that they're not trying. I mean, they tried to, you know, go get Jay Cutler, and they tried to develop Rex Grossman, and they, you know, tried to draft Mitch Trubisky. Um, but I just, you know, obviously there were missteps in there. But I also wonder how much of it's just this, like, organizational, hey, we want to be a defensive first type of football team, and it, and it kind of hurts what you're doing from a team-building standpoint or even just getting the best offensive minds in there to help turn things around. Steve Palazzolo talking NFL, and there's so many storylines this offseason. It's going to be a ton of fun as we head into the uh, combine and the draft. Okay, you mentioned Mahomes. Uh, he joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. We are the Out of Bounds Show. ESPN 105.9 The Zone. You you mentioned everybody chasing Mahomes. And now this is different. NFL is totally different than college football. Um, but when you start chasing something is a lot of times when you make mistakes. So I, we got to witness that here, Steve, in the SEC the last 15 years. Uh, everybody chasing Saban. And so many programs within the league, good programs, big athletic department revenue, made mistake after mistake. Tennessee, Florida, Auburn, you know, so on. list goes on and on. A&M. Um, Georgia finally got it right. But do you think you could see that on the AFC side? Or is it because is the NFL's smarter, I think, um, because of the resources, the way it's set up for maybe everybody to go eight, eight, nine, or nine and eight, if that's actually accurate, factual. Um, you know, how, if I throw that out, more teams could make the mistake, too many mistakes chasing Mahomes and Andy Reid, than not. What would be your response? Yeah, I think. So I think chasing, chasing a team in the NFL probably coincides with good process as well. Um, to me, it is kind of like, you know, fourth down decisions in a game where I think, you know, teams have started to go for fourth down a little bit more because it increases their win probability because they've, they've learned that aggressiveness increases win probability. But it also increases loss probability if you don't make it, right? So it is, like, inherently riskier, right, because the range of outcomes is wider, right? Um I think I think to chase a Mahomes and the Chiefs is to chase a quarterback who is a difference maker, and so if you do that, I do think that's the optimum way to to uh, you know to get back into being competitive at the top of the league, right? Like if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers and your your choices are Kenny Pickett, trade for Justin Fields, you know, sign Ryan Tannehill, like none of those none of those are beating the Chiefs. But if you start every single year doing whatever it takes to find the next quarterback, no matter what, drafting one every year, drafting two per year, whatever it might be, at some point you might find that guy. Um, 
right? So, I, so I do think that aggressive strategy does make sense, um, just for all of the NFL. But at the same time, it might, you know, take a while or it might, you know, lead to missed quarterbacks or missed evaluations along the way. But I think that's okay because, like, what's your alternative? Like, if you're the Steelers right now, you're just going to go win nine games every year, eight games, and never get over the hump in a division that has better quarterbacks than you. So you have to be aggressive and try. Um, so, so I don't, you know, again, I, I think it, I think it kind of makes sense to play that game because the ultimate goal is to win a championship. And sometimes I think if you don't have what you need, you have to be aggressive to try to find it. Mm, okay. So, and what do you think is happening with the Johns? I mean, all right. So Dan, you're Mac Jones is done. What, what you see Mac Jones as a more of a Gardner Minshew role the next six, eight years than a starter in the NFL. What, tell me what, what you see there. I wanted I think, to add Daniel Jones into the mix there. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think probably a Minshew type of role for Mac Jones. I mean, he showed similar to Minshew showed really well in his first season and then got worse. Um, you know, if you could, I don't think a team wants to spend the next three years like hoping that he can get back on track to where he was as a rookie. It's just such a tricky thing, man. Like Daniel Jones is a good, solid NFL quarterback. He's a solid starter, right? Which makes him a guy that you're ready to move on from pretty quickly. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Dan- like Daniel Jones going at six overall a couple years ago, nobody really thought he was going to go that high. The Giants, maybe felt like they were justified because he went out there and he ran the offense and he was okay. But nobody ever looked at Daniel Jones and said, oh, yeah, this guy's going to lead us to a championship someday. And then, So I think the Giants' mistake there was thinking that their, their season two years ago when they were supposed to be rebuilding, they go on this run, win a playoff game, and they thought, oh, we're close. We just won a playoff game. When in reality, I think they were just still rebuilding and they lucked into a good season with, you know, beat the Packers at the last second, beat the Titans at the last second, just won a bunch of games um, based off variance, basically. So the Giants went and doubled down and, oh, yeah, we're going to re-sign Daniel Jones instead of franchising him last year at this time and saying, okay, prove it one more time. So now they're stuck with Daniel Jones for another year or two. So I think that's, again, that's always the tricky problem, right? I always say the goal at quarterback is not to find a starter, it's to find a difference maker. There's plenty of starters out there, and if you have, but if you have one of those starters, how do you go find a difference maker at the same time that you have a starter? I think that's where the Giants are right now, and that's where the Patriots might be like moving on from Mac Jones because you don't just need a starting caliber guy that could be okay. You need a difference maker. Yeah, that, okay, I like that. Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus, PFF.com, on the Farm Bureau Insurance guest line. The Cowboys haven't been any good post Jimmy Johnson. What? What? Why do we think something would change in Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones' approach after the last twenty-seven years from a guy who, you know, hired Dave Campo and Chan Gailey and stuck with Jason Garrett for ten years, Steve? I mean, yeah, there, maybe there, there's a gap to be, you know. That, that, that there's a there's something needed at the coaching at the coaching spot in Dallas, but you know, like I think I said a couple of weeks ago, you win 12 games every year, you probably have a really good team, and the difference between making that playoff run and not, I don't know. I mean, just I don't know what that what that gap is. I don't know who goes in there and says, "Hey guys, let's play better in January," you know, and just 
and gets them, you know, playing at the peak of their powers when they look like one of the best teams in the NFL every single year. I think is from a high level view, that's all you can do is put a good product on the field, put a good product on the field, and then you've got to figure out the mental hump in the playoffs. And again, you know, as a as an analyst, it's a tough one, right? That the fact that the Chiefs like the Cowboys looked better than the Chiefs throughout the entire season. But once the playoffs start, the Chiefs are like, oh, we're going to play playoff football. We're not, we're not going to turn it over. We're going to play clean. We're going to, you know, we're going to play within ourselves. We're going to manage the game well. And then Dallas comes out and they're just like all over the place. Like, oh no, it's the playoffs. What do we do? What, what's going on? New football. Right. So to me, it's like, if you're talking about the culture thing from 20 minutes ago, maybe there's something there, right? There's something about when we get into the playoffs, just like, it's just another week. How do you teach? Like, I think that might have been Belichick's superpower, right? If he would sit there with his monotone voice, like, all right, it's the Super Bowl week, and we're just going to go and execute and do your job. And, and, like, Belichick did a great job of keeping the team, whether it was training camp day one or the Super Bowl week, keeping them on point, and, you know, not the moment wasn't too big for them. Like, if Dallas is missing anything, I think that's what it is. Um, the ability to say, okay, it's the playoffs, who cares? Treat it like it's week 10. Treat it like it's week two. Treat it like it's the Giants game and go get them. Um, so if they could figure that thing out, they've done a nice job with talent acquisition and team building and finding the QB and everything. Just got to figure out how to do it in the playoffs. Let's see. What do I have here? All right, NFC, I've got a couple of minutes. Uh, as you as we run it back, and we can I know there's there could be all kinds of transactions here over the next few months, and some teams could leapfrog, uh, maybe the Forty ers but could leapfrog the Eagles and the Cowboys, and maybe even the pa- uh, the Packers, maybe one of those teams, or maybe they already have. Uh, it, as you're looking at the top, you know the power rankings right now, and a lot's going to change here over the next few months. But is it still 49ers, Eagles, Cowboys, or do you have the Packers in there? Where are you I right think the now Lions, as we head into March? Oh, yeah, Lions. I think yes, the Lions, yes, yes. Yeah. Lions and Packers, I think, are both in the mix. The Packers, because of how they played down the stretch, how young they were, and the fact that the switch just seemed to flip in Jordan Love. Um, Green Bay is going to be interesting to see what they do on defense, new defensive coordinator, and they'll probably have some turnover on that side of the ball. Um, so they have a chance to be really dangerous. I think Detroit has built such a good foundation that they're going to be consistently in the mix. The interesting thing with Detroit now, though, is they, they're not going to be able to add players as much over the next two years or so. They're going to have to pay Jared Goff. They're going to have to pay Panay Sewell, Amonra St. Brown, Aiden Hutchinson over the next few years. So, so Detroit is it, almost in like, all right, let's, we actually have to keep our stars together and, and draft well. Uh, so Detroit's built such a good foundation. And then, yeah, the, I think the Niners and Eagles are going to be real interesting because the Eagles collapsed last year, but they're still really talented. So, right. you know, Howie Roseman, big off season for him to kind of get things back on track there. And then as far as the Niners, similar, right? I mean, you've got Brandon Ayuk, you know, maybe trying to get out of town. And how do the Niners just keep those pieces in place? Because they've got Brock Purdy's the cheapest quarterback in the league, the cheapest starter in the league. They still have this window where they don't have a quarterback getting paid and they can um, you know, spend a lot more money elsewhere. So the Niners have an opportunity um, financially to make, a, to make a play. And then if, if Dallas does have this culture, we need to run the ball, we got to figure it out mentality, do they go get a Derrick Henry or a Saquon Barkley? Do they try to really do something aggressive as well? I mean, so I think all those teams have interesting decisions and moves to potentially 
be made this offseason. Which you and I have talked about the last few years, Steve. Dallas doesn't really do anything in free agency. So that would be – that would go against what Steven and Jerry have done the last – for the most part, the last, you know, 20 years or so, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I thought last year getting Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore were good, shrewd type of moves that you want to make. I mean, the Packers don't do anything in free agency either. You know, there's other teams, the Steelers, historically. It's, you know, right. draft and develop your own and sprinkle in a $4 million player here and there. So it, it, it can work. You know, you just have to, you just always have to continue to draft well. And as I say with Dallas, just stop drafting for need and always draft the best players. And they usually do a better job when they stick to that formula. Hey, be good. Have a good weekend, Steve. Sounds good. Thank you. Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus, NFL Insider on the Out of Bounds Show. Brought to you by the amazing crawfish, shrimp, and crab legs at Mudbugs, downtown West Government Street, and Mudbugs Old Bannon Road. They're open today through Sunday.